Welcome back to Place and Time and to the second half of our first season. Underneath me you can hear the sounds of Lagos, Nigeria, as captured by artist and producer Emeka Ogbo, who's today's guest. Emeka made a somewhat unexpected splash in the electronic music world with his debut album Beyond the Yellow Haze, a mix of field recordings from Lagos and heavy electronic beats. In our conversation we talked about how sound shapes a city, and how its rhythms affect our day-to-day lives. We also talk about the process of making his albums and how he captures the sound of the city. We started by talking about how the first album came about. Yeah, because it all started uh, with uh, getting invited to be part of this art exhibition by the Burroughs Foundation in uh, Beguine. And I think they were sort of reflecting that, you know, they wanted to, they wanted artists that live in Berlin to, they were asking, what were you doing during lockdown? And I, the lockdown, I was basically on the couch, but, you know, there was this piece of music that I was making. I didn't consider it a big deal. That That's the Ayelara track on this new album. So in the whole process of talking to them, what are you doing in lockdown? Like, I'm not doing anything, but if you guys are thinking of an exhibition, I have this uh, neon, you know, I want, I could show in context to the whole lockdown situation and whatever. But during that conversation, I kind of spewed in. I didn't, because I did, I never considered that to be like something major or a big deal, but I'm like, oh, I was working, I'm working on this music. I'm just passing time doing it, you know? So it was just one track and um, they're like, oh, maybe that could be interesting. You know, turn up at the Begine. Okay, where do we install it? They kind of like the music, where do we install it? Mm. We decided to install it on the, on the you know, on the main dance floor. And it was all, you know, I, I, I am an installation artist when it comes with sound. I like my things like all multidimensional, but like I know those speakers, you know, those that the functional one speakers, you know, like it's really, that's part of the reason that I hang out in Beckham when I, whenever I go, it's just to hear music from there. We plugged it in there and, you know, like they say, the rest is history. It was, it was really, it sounded very well there. A couple of days later, I get a call. I get an email that, oh, the guys from Osgood, they want to talk to you. They like the music. They are thinking of having a compilation. Do you want to come for a meeting? I mean, basically, this is how the whole thing started with releasing the first album, uh, Beyond the Yellow Haze, because, you know, I kind of released it before, but within the arts world, I just put it as part of my exhibition. So I kind of, they gave me a bunch of vinyls. I also gave them this vinyl, like kind of an exchange and they call back, oh, you didn't release this? We checked, it's not released as music, why? I never considered it to, you know, like it was just uh, for my art exhibition. I didn't think it was a big deal. So I mean, this is basically how the whole thing started. Wow. That's that's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so going back to lockdown again. <laughs> yeah, going go back. Because the thing, when I, when I discovered the album, it was at a point where I was missing cities. You know, I, I, I live in a in a small well, small city, more yeah. of a big town, Derby in the UK. Yeah. Um, but the previous year I'd been traveling for work. So I'd been in uh, India for, for two months and I've been okay. in New Delhi for, for a lot of that time. Yeah, so you know that kind of sound. Huh? <laughs> exactly, it's a very similar feel. It was the horns at first. It was like the traffic horns. Yeah. And it made me feel like I was not, you know, locked down in a flat in Derby, which was... Um, <laughs> So, so you know, it had an immediate connection with me, uh, and then 
obviously the you know the, the beats and everything really connected as well. Um, maybe maybe we could rewind and go right back to your first encounter with Lagos. Yeah. Because uh, I understand you didn't initially grow up in Lagos, but you moved there to do studying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not studying. You know, like Lagos is that city here. You know, most people move to. You know, it's just like moving to London from elsewhere or moving to New York if you lived in the states. So I grew up in a uh, a city called Enugu. It's in the southeast part of Nigeria. And um, after university, after my youth service, I turned up in Lagos. You know, basically to chase the dream. So I didn't grow up in Lagos, but I ended up there. And you know, uh, uh, everyone likes Lagos if you can deal with it. It's quite hectic, but I kind of uh, it kind of uh, resonated to me. Uh, I studied graphic design, and uh, so I was in the whole web uh, design and uh, advertisement and uh, freelancing. So that was what I was doing in Lagos till I sort of um, jumped on the whole, I started working with it, recording the sound of the city, you know. Right, certainly. Because uh, I, was, I was reading the other day, no one's quite sure how many people live in Lagos. <laughs> we, we in Lagos, we're not, we're not very sure. <laughs> in Lagos. <laughs> yeah, but there's this rough estimate between 18 and 22. It could be somewhere there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, wow, that, which is a, a mega city. Yes, I mean it's one of the mega cities, sure. Yeah, was it overwhelming or or? Yeah, I mean typically there's Nigeria and there's Lagos. You know what I mean? Like this is how it is for people that do not live in Lagos. You know, um, Lagos is an entirely different country. So I, like I said, I grew up in Enugu. I've been to Lagos a couple of times, mostly for holidays, and it's always this kind of uh, instinct to like uh, flee after like two weeks or something like that. Like you know, it's 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 a uh, it's it's too much. In that sense, but um, I think um, the opportunities in Lagos kind of like keep you behind, especially if you came there intentionally. I mean, I wasn't on vacation; like a web design job brought me to Lagos, and more jobs came from that. So I kind of like stayed. It was it was really economical, but it's also that city where everything is happening: the fun parts, the entertainment industry. There's so much going on that you can easily get hooked to it. But at first, it was overwhelming, you know. Um, the thing with Lagos is if you sort of work at from home, it suits you well. Like designing this web uh, web uh, websites and graphics, I could do that from, from home. Like I was working freelance. So it worked out for me. I didn't have to navigate the city every day. I didn't have to like, you know, like the main issue is like moving around the city with all that uh, 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 ghost low, we call it ghost low, but it's actually a traffic hold up, you know? Mm. So that is quite overwhelming. That is quite stressful. But if you don't have to do that every day on the daily, it's sort of easier. So I think this sort of helped me kind of settle in without it being overwhelming uh, as it would have been for others that had to navigate it every day, you know. So I think lots of people found that during lockdown, didn't they? The, the they they got a different relationship with their city because of course, of course, and you know, like, no, no matter how you you no matter how you like kind of um, uh, moan about things being that bad, we we miss the, those daily uh, I mean activities, day to day lives so we've gotten so used to. So yes, um, the lockdown sort of provided a. A situation for everyone to have a kind of retrospective in life in general, also in the city you are staying. For some people, it was just too much. Like, okay, I don't want to live in cities anymore. You know, if being locked yeah. down in an apartment is entirely different from, let's say, you were living in the suburbs or on some farm where you had uh, some space to move around. You know, mm. yeah. 
How, how do you transition into sound installation from graphic design? Well, uh, you know, like um, it wasn't intentional, you know. Um, I, I was just, um, yeah, I started kind of traveling and experiencing things. Ended up in Egypt, was invited for, um, like I, I, I made some friends in Alexandria and they told me they were going to be um, in somewhere uh, 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 called Fayoum in February. You know, they invited me, but I didn't know it was more like a, um, it was a media arts thing. So I went, I turned up there and the focus was on sound. That was literally my, like my first experience with, when I say sound, I mean sound, because most times when we talk about sound, we, we talk about music or what we hear watching a film, but just to have it as, uh, as, as isolated as its own, completely independent, was that first experience. It was a media class called uh, Audible Spectrum, held at the Fayoum Winter Academy uh, by Harald Schurz, who's, uh, who's an Austrian and a very good friend now. Um, we sort of listened, we opened up our ears, listened to environment, recorded sounds, played with it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't think for me, it was also a lot of, a sort of mini vacation. So I didn't think so much about it, but getting back to Lagos and uh, realizing that this is a sound city, like so much is happening with sound around there. That got me interested and I, you know, started recording, but it didn't actually, what activated this whole process was, uh, a phone conversation with a friend who doesn't live in Lagos. He lives in Abuja. So he was visiting and he wanted to surprise me. Like he didn't want me to know he was in town. He just wanted to know if I was in town so he could pull a surprise on me. But, you know, a phone call, a few seconds into the call, I'm like, are you in Lagos? You know, <laughs> how do you know? Like, I can hear Lagos you know, around you, you know? So, but that, it's, um, I, I, I wouldn't say it was such a big deal, but that kind of triggered something for me, you know, like, for me, it was a big deal in that sense, but this could be a typical conversation or typical uh, feedback, or oh, I hear the sound and we continue our conversation. But that got me thinking like, okay, you know, I can tell Lagos from, from the sound kind of what will it be to just record? And I just, out of curiosity, I just started recording, you know? Right. And uh, th- yeah, cause that's, that's interesting. Cause that's the same, a similar sort of path I'm going down at the moment, just thinking of the, just be able to hear a city and go, oh yeah, that's that city there, and and yeah. it's almost like the rhythm of of the city. Yeah. Each each yeah. Rhythm, each city and place has its own rhythm, and totally, you know that that this is kind of the stuff I will always say. The city is a composer, you know. Yeah. The city com- is basically composing, you know, and um, what you hear is the composition of the city, and this composition is based on different uh, as uh, elements coming together. Sometimes, you know, like what laws do you have in the city? Uh, uh, with uh, with sound, with noise, okay, uh, you don't use horns, like basically in Europe, you don't do that. But in Lagos, it's not, not it's not a law, you know, we, we use it discriminately, you know, like this is an extension of <laughs> ourselves, you know. Um, uh, people have parties on the street, people play loud music, There's, you know, your neighbors will not complain, I mean, even if they complain, they're used to it. You know, like it's part of the day-to-day lives. So the city composes based on all these kind of rules and regulations and how people use it, you know. So yes, every city could sound different, you know.
when, when you went to when you moved to Berlin, I, I read that you had trouble sleeping because it was too quiet. <laughs> um, and I mean, in general, like you know, yes, you know, when it's it's there's a, there's a huge difference between um, you know, like being in Europe and uh, mm. being somewhere like uh, Lagos. Um, Europe is super quiet. Sound is suppressed here. You know, it's uh, it's basically an offense to be loud here. You know, so um, uh, for that uh, psychologically, uh, you know, I felt that you know Lagos is never quiet. Even when you don't hear the traffic, you're gonna hear maybe some church uh, having an all night service or some power generation or some party or music like bars will be open. At, late at night playing music loud. It's a way to join customers. It's a way to announce they are open. So like there's something going on around you basically all the time. And then you come somewhere where it's completely opposite. So mm -hmm. that uh, was an issue for me a bit. It's the same way like someone from Europe going to Lagos, they probably will not sleep because they're used to more quiet at night. And then Lagos is still buzzing and going on. Uh, you know, like something is going on constantly. Of so course. that was what happened uh, to me. Yeah, was uh, was a bit of an issue. Yeah. Definitely. How, how did you? Because uh, was it when you moved to Berlin you started making music? Right. Uh, well, yes, but it wasn't immediately. You know, like um, the main thing that happened to me, sort of moving to Berlin, was I kind of stopped recording. You know, because uh, the, you know you can't compare Lagos to Berlin. There's nothing to record in Berlin when when you talk about sounds as as compared to Lagos. But, I, you know, it, it, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just a shift for me because then I started diving into the archives looking for sound or that sort of triggered my working with uh, sound in a different way by, work, you know, sometimes working with uh, composers, working with choirs, working with, uh, uh, you know, songs, stuff like that. So it, it, I stopped recording. That's what happened. You know, um, mm. I didn't really feel the need to. And uh, it's also kind of, Put a break on on, on my uh, on my Lego soundscapes project because you know for how long do you keep recording non-stop? No, I just decided to pause. The city is in the flux. You know, there's a lot of changes going on. There will be another shift for that. But at that moment, I felt like okay, like basically, even if the sounds are not the same thing, it's sort of you know kind of almost the same. You know, so yeah. I basically stopped recording but started uh, working with sound differently. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, how did you find that as a, I suppose as a learning curve? Was it was it Ableton you used? Um, well, when I said I said working with sound differently, I, I wasn't even making music. Like I would get into archives, I would work with choirs. You know, my installation became like multi-channels, not necessarily sound of cities or music, but maybe voices, stuff like that. But when I started, uh, when I decided to make music, yes, I I I started working with Ableton. And part of what led to that, it's um. I'm not that kind of artist that has things like clearly written out of what my artwork would end up being, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to make sketches. I'll probably make the sketches after the work, not before, because I like working organically. You know, I just start from the unknown and let that, let's see where it leads to and where it goes. And I really enjoy that kind of, uh, process. But when you are going to work with um, uh, people, it gets a bit difficult. Like if I had to work with a composer, I need to sort of clearly explain or detail what I want or how I want it. You know, it's it's sort of, it, it was sort of difficult, not necessarily for me, but for the person, because, you know, dude, what do you want? You know, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, let's do it like this and see how it goes and do it. But of course, time is money. And also like, no, not, not everyone has that kind of patience and time. So it's sort of, 
occurred to me that this is something that I need to do myself. And I, I'm not saying that, that, oh, I had to go and learn how to compose, blah, blah, blah. No, I kind of knew I could do this, but, you know, I didn't really know how to use those tools, like the, the, the DAWs, you know, like how do you, to your feeling, like how, how will you use like an Ableton tool or live to, you know, tap out beats and like, uh, you know, like communicate uh, these emotions you feel inside or these ideas you feel inside. So for me, it was very important that I, I, I learned how to use those tools and that's what I did. Certainly. Um, have, have you seen Ableton's recent uh, iPhone? On the phone, right? Yeah, yeah. I have, I mean, I find it, I find it, uh, you know, like with notes, right? You're talking about yeah, notes. That's the one, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, you know, like I travel a lot. This is the best thing to have on the flight. You know, like I just realized I downloaded it um, over a week ago. Yeah. And, I, you know, like I've been playing, I've been playing around with it. Yeah. I, I you know, like I, I like that innovation. It was, it was it's just like uh, making, making a sketch uh, notes, you know, like, and it's a good name, notes, you know, it's just yeah. like writing down things, you know. And when you land or when you have access to the, then you start, put, you know, checking your notes, you know. So I really like it, yeah. Definitely. I, I found with that, it was surprisingly quick to get something sounding pretty good. Oh, my God. That that was really, it's really a cool idea. You know, like, I've not figured it all out. Um, I'm still lazy, uh, jumping on it 100%. But when I'm bored, especially on the flights, you start tapping things out. I'm like, you're like, whoa, okay, this kind of makes sense and stuff. Um, you know, for... I, it's one of the reasons I want to get an iPad now. I really want like a bigger screen than the than the iPhone, you know. So I want a bigger screen, a mobile bigger screen that doesn't necessarily have to be my, uh, you know, it's not also on desktop, you know. So um, yeah, so or on the laptop. So I think um, this is one thing I'll definitely be playing a lot with. Definitely, as, as a drummer, I'm always incessantly <laughs> tapping everywhere. So now, my incessant tapping can actually be made into something rather than just annoying yeah. people next to me. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, there, are, there, there, there have been stuff like that, but you connect it to uh, a machine to do that, you know. But just to have this on your phone, on the yeah. screen, tapping away and uh, forming music already, you know, yeah. making these notes already. I, I like that. You must end up with like loads of like recordings, loads of footage. Yes, I do, but I also lost a lot of them. You know, like you are you are looking at the the hard drive technology where it either fails, uh, crashes, you can't recover anything, or it gets lost, it gets you get stolen. So I recorded a lot of stuff. I also lost a lot of stuff. You know, how how do you filter? How do you find the right sort of the right sound clips to use in in the in the music? It's it's you know for me the process is. Um, I don't want to use the uh, terminology deep listening, but you know, like you, 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 you know, what I realize about uh, field recordings is how it takes you back to that moment in time, even if it's ten years ago. Mm-hmm. If you are the one that did that recording, you know, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but I can tell you through my recordings like how hot the day was, you know. Uh, just by listening to sound there, if I if I if I feel this sense of urgency, you know, moving around the space, it's probably me trying to get out of the heat, or like uh, being fast with that. You know, you you can tell a lot. It triggers a lot for me. Like it takes me back to that day. I can I may I may, I may not be able to say that day was March third if I didn't write it down, mm-hmm. but that particular moment in time it takes me there. So 
the whole process starts with kind of sort of extracting, you know, like look at your folder. Oh, this is a recording from Wudrelewa this year or this month. You know, you listen. Then sort of there's always this long recording that attracts you. You know, like draws you in. And I spend time uh, listening to that on loop. That's how it starts. Right. So, and when you're making a track, is it do you does the music come first and then you choose the samples? And record no, the, sound, the sound comes first. I mean, the so, sound not not in every case, but most of the cases, especially with these albums, mm-hmm. uh, the sound came first. Like the sound kind of shapes the shapes the music, it shapes the beat. You know, you could take even if it's two minutes, one minute, five minutes, twenty minutes, uh, sixty minutes. I just plug in a, a noise cancellation headphone and just listen to that excerpts for like over and over over. It's not. It's not a one day thing. You know, you could do that repeatedly a couple of days. Then, then the beat starts shaping. Then, kind of the music starts uh, 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 taking shape in your head. Right. So, and then that's when you start chopping it up. And that's when you start chopping up things. And uh, then uh, you start. It's, it's like it's like painting. You know, yeah, <laughs> or like yeah. making a sketch. Then you start uh, taking things away. Then adding things, you know, but then you sort of have this beat in your head, even if it's not so clear. When you tap it out or when you look for a loop and you get the right notes or you get the right stuff, mm. you know, that's it. You know, like I'm not a professional musician or like a, a professional music producer per se. I'm sure I'm not. You know, I work intuitively and I trust my instincts. And this is really how it kind of happens for me. You know, you know, the beat is already, you know, the music sort of is already in your body, you know, mm. and then you, you kind of bring it out to life, you know. Certainly. So, so it's like the city sound is actually sort of literally inspiring the rhythm that then yes. you, you add to it. That's, that's yeah, it's really yes, interesting. I mean, it's not, it's, uh, it's not necessarily always uh, like this, all the cases. Sometimes I've made music and plugged in sound afterwards, but I will tell you like most of the music I make with field recordings, the process always starts with the field recording. So I know some of them are looped, um, almost as like another instrument or, or or a percussive element. But other parts you have like you know, longer pieces of speech. Um, do you choose yeah. them due to like the the content of the speech, or or is it the actual what we what what's being said, or is it more the the sonic quality of that speech that that? No, it's, all, it's it's really the content, especially on this uh, new album. Mm-hmm. Uh, six degrees thirty minutes, um, uh, thirty three point three seven two seconds north. The album, uh, the speech was, uh, it, it wasn't about uh, the quality. It was really about the speech. You know, these guys were talking about the space. They were celebrating the space. And that's why that album is basically like a, a, a GPS. The title is a GPS coordinates of this area in Lagos called Odrelaba. In that area, that's where you find this bus station. That's where you find a lot of stuff. So those guys were, the guys you hear there, they were really celebrating that they were talking about our space they use that space every day that is their space so the the speeches were uh uh what they were saying the content was was very important right certainly and then and then the other elements like the the background noise the traffic noise yes the... that is if that's the that's the everything was recorded in this in this uh place yes
the uh, Danfo bus is quite a feature. I, I think sonically, also visually on the album cover. And would yeah. the Beyond the Yellow Haze, does that title refer to the bus as well? Yes, um, totally, totally. So when I was looking for a title for that album, Beyond the Yellow Haze, I remember, I, to, to, I mean, I need to find, I, I was reading, um, I think there's, there was this compilation of uh, poetries, um, uh, you know, from Lagos. And I, I remember there was a poet. I you know, it was it wasn't a digital stuff. I would have found it easy now. But the point was that I remember someone kind of describing, you know, when you go to the Lagos bus station, there are all these yellow buses like that. So depending on how big the bus station it is or how busy, it's like this. There are lots of yellow buses. So he described it like uh, the yellow haze. You know, like you don't know what I mean. Like uh, yeah. So uh, for me. Uh, titling that album Beyond the Yellow Haze reflect, uh, uh, also uh, kind of connects to the downfall buses, mm. you know, in the bus station, the Yellow Haze. But the, the the terminology like Beyond the Yellow Haze was me like which going out, going further because typically what I would do was use the sound raw or just use the sound with our music when I installed it as an artist. So it's basically saying that I'm do you know going beyond just working with the raw field recordings but then making music with it so that's a reference to beyond the yellow haze and yes it uh references the downfall buses brilliant and for someone who's not been to lagos could you describe uh a downfall bus and it's sort of role, <laughs> role in the community yeah actually there's a, i wrote i wrote this text for oxford uh handbook on sound art uh the part two came out uh last year or this year if i remember I actually wrote uh, an essay on uh, on the downfall bus, but yes, downfall bus typically is um, a Volkswagen Vanagon or Volkswagen, you know, like the early 1980s series are mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, re remodeled or re refabricated to, you know, take uh, more passengers inside, right? And they're typically painted uh, candium yellow with these two black stripes. You know, you find them everywhere in Lagos. It's kind of it's the Lagos icon, let's put it like that. It's used, uh, uh, it's, it's the main means of mass transportation because one, is cheap, two, it can also navigate everywhere. It's really um, uh, on, on the go. If you are flying into Lagos and once you descend the cloud and look out of the window, you're going to see this yellow dots scoring right. around the city, you know, and um, uh, so that's where, uh, that's, that's, the, that's a typical description of this bus. And then uh, the, the bus drivers will kind of personalize it as much as possible. You're going to find this bumper uh, uh, stickers all over the bus. Inside is also decorated, depending on what taste the downfall bus driver has. And uh, the, there's also music. Music is a very important part of that. It's the soundtrack for when you're stuck in the go slow. And it's also like, what attracts people when they're playing it loud, you know, it's a way of drawing in customers. So um, I think this is kind of a typical description of what the downfall bus is, you know. Yeah, so it's interesting you mentioned music. So I remember reading about in South Africa, uh, all music, um, they wouldn't get played on radio, so they gave all the music to taxi drivers. Yeah. And that that's became... one way to that's one way to that's one way to uh, spread the music or to promote the music, yeah. you know. But in Lagos, it's it's more about like uh, the soundtrack for daily for daily lives, you know. The music playlists. I, I I did a questionnaire once, asking all the downfall drivers kind of what music they will play. It's really the soundtrack of their of their life of their day, you know. It's also a way to, 
you know, like the, 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 to escape the monotony of the, the, the ghost low, you know, the traffic jams, you know. Yeah. Certainly. Um, what what was the music that the what was the consensus on on the on the music? I mean, uh, it's this was some years ago. It's still Afro beats and uh, Yoruba Fuji music. You know, it depends on. It also depends on uh, uh, where the uh, uh, bus driver is from. You know, if he's typically a Yoruba man, he will lean towards a lot of uh, Fuji music, which is um, uh, kind of Yoruba uh, 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 music. Uh, but they play a lot of Afro beats, like the latest tracks. You know, one they 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 are very updated on what comes out, and you know, Afro beats everybody's in, into it. So you mm-hmm. hear a lot of Afro beats definitely on this uh, bus buses, and they also want to entertain the passengers, the crowd. So mm-hmm. Afro beats is one thing everybody listens to, you know, or most people listen to. So um, that that is typically what you're going to hear in this uh, in this buses, yeah. Brilliant. So and and so so bus driver stroke DJ. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. They are, they are, yeah, they are big time DJs. Yeah, they know. You know, they curate this music. They, they, you know, like they go out of their way to to compile it, and then you buy. You know, like they could get all these bootleg CD compilations, or there are certain times of the day where you can tune into a radio station, and they, are, you know, they have this uh, Afrobeats curated for for maybe an hour or two or something like that. So they also tap into that, and that's how they you can easily get plugged into new releases. And that's Afrobeats as opposed to Afrobeats, so more Burner Boy than... With the S, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. So, so more, more, more Burner Boy than Felicuti. More Burner Boy than Felicuti. Uh, <laughs> Burner Boy whiskey than the rest of Felicuti, for sure, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's, it's interesting to hear that. Um, so we've already, we're, I'm just going down my list of questions. Uh, we've already talked about how you how you sort of, how you, how you did the installation at Bergen, and how the the album was almost like a natural follow-on from that with the in-house label. Yeah. Um, it got quite a lot of acclaim within the dance music community. How did you find that transition from the, the art world to the music world? Oh, man, that was mind-blowing for me. You know, um, I, I mean, I, it, it, I never saw that coming. Let's put it like this. And uh, if I say they didn't put any pressure on me, that would be a lie because, you know, suddenly... Um, it wasn't, I mean, I'm, I'm from the art world, right? <laughs> People know me in the art world. Nobody knew me in the music world. And that kind of transformed overnight. I was a nobody in the music world and getting those kind of reviews. It did put a, it did put some pressure because when uh, Beyond the Yellow Hits came out, um, I remember the vinyl also sold out quickly. So people you get all these emails like, where can I find the vinyl? Do you still have more? And stuff like that. Oh, do you play live? I, do you want to play in this festival? Well, we you know, like, I started getting all that. It was quite a pressure. I, I, would, I wouldn't lie. It was quite tempting to say, hmm, maybe I should dive in fully into the music world, you know, and like, uh, you know, yeah, I enjoy the art world, but this is entirely new. And, you know, of course, when, when you are getting all those kind of reviews, yeah, but the, it became a pressure because I was working, like I told you, I was making this one piece of music, Ayelara, mm-hmm. that went to Begain. Then this was released. And then I started having the idea because I noticed I, at the beginning, I wasn't so conscious that I was um, doing, um, uh, you know, like I was taking, I was listening to more sounds from Ojo Eleba during the period I was making Ayelara. I just thought this SF was cool. I started making that track, Ayelara. But mm-hmm. I, I, at some point I noticed all my, focus was really on this uh, recordings from from that uh, spot. Mm. That's how that kind of 
thought for the album develop, but the album took so long because the pressure was a lot. You know, like when you have this kind of successful first release, it sort of makes you like, oh man, people will be expecting so much. You know, like it took me time to, at some point I abandoned the project. It took me time to get right. back to it because I was like, you know, people are expecting so much. You know, I, it's almost like, oh man, I'm going to, if I fail them all, you know, like it became a pressure, you know. Mm. I just wanted to make music for the for the love of it, not because I was looking for any critical like, claim, you know, or something like that. But, you know, so it took longer than I would have uh, wanted it to, 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 uh, to take. But, you know, finally we, I got it out, you know. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think um, coming from the art world, understanding these pressures, um, kind of helped. If 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 I came from nowhere without kind of having this experience, this sort of situation prior, you know, maybe in a different way, maybe I would have capitulated completely. You know, like um, yeah, it was it was a lot of pressure, and um, you know, dealing with it for me is like I, I just want to make music because I like this. I'm not I'm not looking for any acclaim. No. the art world you're releasing something to to make something happen you're, you're creating something because it's something you want to create yeah. you know a lot of the pressures in the music industry are create something so it can sell so you probably came from a very let's say pure place on the first album because you weren't you weren't following any norms you were doing exactly your own thing i mean i wouldn't say the art world is pure but yeah that's more like it because i mm. i you know i i made this song i put it on vinyl it was part of an exhibition and it was just in the art world this was 2018 you know mm. and then we're talking about like uh 2021 or like 2020 into 2021 you know like two three years later so yes i didn't make this album to to sell you know like it was uh, you know like to make money it was just something it was it was just pure creativity for me yeah just something happened like making a statement something had to come out and it was which i think is, is still a very pure way of making making music and i think when, when you find that if artists musician producers can can get to that place of not being influenced by the outside you know but but by the commerce um i mean this is why i you know when people ask i still say i'm not a musician not be, i have because i have any problem with being called a musician but I know that are people that they've signed contracts, you know, they have to deliver, you know, they work on this every day. I don't, you know, yeah, I yeah. don't necessarily have to, I don't, I don't like work on music every day. I have no contracts that I have to like, Oh, you have to, you have to have three releases in three years and stuff like that. No, you know, so I can't claim to be a musician 
on that level. There are people that this is it's a serious business. This is a this is this is their day to day grind. This is their life. I can't I can't claim what I am not. I'm not you know. I think I think we're lucky in the current climate because we've got the tools now where we don't have to go through the label system. Totally, totally. If those tools were in existence, I don't think I'll be doing this. I wouldn't go through all that problem. The so, mere fact that I can do this on the go, you know, it's it's it, that's 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 how it happened. If if it didn't exist, I mean, thanks to Ableton and all the rest of the guys that put out these softwares, I, I, you know, like the whole idea, the old school idea of how you made music, I wouldn't put myself through that, you know, no. just for the fun or just for creativity, you know. So, yeah. Well, it's, exactly, yeah. It's, it's almost like the opposite of the... I always think of the major label universe being the standardization of music, taking away all the rough edges and creating something that, you yeah. know, that, that that is so inoffensive the mass public will, will like it. And it, um, I mean, it, it works for to each their own. It works, you know, it yeah. works. It works in that way. Thanks to that, we have access to more music or whatever. You know, we can go to Spotify and we can go to clubs and yeah, thanks to them. You know, but. It is what it is to each their own, you know. Yeah, it almost feels like now we're in the age of a niche. So if if we do want to do something that's a bit more niche, the, the tools through social media, through producing, and well, you know, the tools are there. The tools are there, and like uh, this new album was released on my own label. Like mm-hmm. I, I set up a label to do that also because mm-hmm. why do I have to go through all these contracts and and uh, and you know like you know just mm-hmm. put it out for the fun of it without any pressure? Uh, you know, I don't we don't necessarily market the album. I don't do PR for it. It was, it was I would put it out and uh, we'll see how it goes, you know. Right. There, there's this whole draw to, oh, want you to play on festivals, want you to play on this space or concerts and stuff. Yes, I mean, it's tempting in that sense, but I, I also have to be like, okay, uh, you know, I also have what I life, you know, like I have my art to think about. So like right now I'm, I'm really busy. So even beyond the yellow haze, there was really no marketing. There was no marketing strategy. We just put it out. Thankfully, it's doing well. Thankfully, a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, 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 magazines or, or, or you know, like they, they liked it. Uh, there were interviews. They they, they did uh, uh, you know, they featured it and they did reviews on it, and it, it's been all good. You know, if if it was contrary, where uh, I was signed on to something, you definitely have to put a lot of energy into marketing. You definitely have to maybe even go on tour at some point and things like that. But mm-hmm. these are also ways that I'm shielding myself from that pressure. You know, like it's on my label, there's no obligation, you know. We, <laughs> so let's let's do this, you know. <laughs> I suppose it's part of your overall sort of art universe. The music is just part of it rather than being, as, as we we're just saying a few minutes ago, rather than being the whole thing. Yeah, kind of, you know, like it's part, it's part, it's not a, it's not the whole, it's not the, it's, that's why I'm saying I cannot call myself a musician because it's not my full-time gig, you know, but at the same time, I'm not close, you know, who knows what the future will bring, you know, like even starting up the label, okay, we're still focused on little things, but who knows, I'm always open to what the future brings, you know, I just don't try to force it. Definitely, definitely. So that, that second album, and it does focus more on one particular area, um, yeah. Ojuelebwa, that was, a, a, if you know the last track called Confusion, Fela was talking about Ojuelebwa, yeah. then Whiskey also did a track called Ojuelebwa. I mean, Ojuelebwa is kind of a very um, famous, slash infamous uh, uh, spot in Lagos, yeah. It's a bus station, it's a, it's a whole uh, area, yeah. yeah. And uh, so what, what were the differences between that and the locations for the first album? Okay, I mean, it's it's um, Beyond the Yellow Haze uh, featured sounds recorded from 
around Lagos. Yeah, yeah. Different parts of Lagos, right? And uh, six degrees, 30 minutes, uh, 33.372 seconds north, mm-hmm. uh, three degrees, 22 minutes, 0. 0.66 uh, seconds. Uh, uh, it was really focused on this place called Ujuelewa. So I didn't bring sounds from other parts of Lagos as I did in Beyond the Yellow Haze. It was just recordings I made in this space, this area, you know. So that's why it's also titled, you know, that GPS could as well as just saying Ujuelewa, but it's just it's just me being an artist and I'm giving it the GPS title. But it's basically sounds from uh, one place as against Beyond the Yellow Haze, which had sounds from different parts of Lagos. And and the area of uh, Ojibwa, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 get, I'll get to it by the end of the call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if what's what's the energy like? If we were if we were to go there now and go for a walk, what would we experience? I mean, it's a, it's a whole bunch of things going on there. Um, it's um, actually uh, when I started working on this project and reading up about the history, apparently it used to be. Um, it used to have a shrine dedicated to Eshu, which is a Yoruba god of chaos. Uh, you know, in the Yoruba cosmologies, there's, you know, intersecting points are normally sacred, you know. So right. the Ojole Wise also has this intersecting point. If you go to walk to, if you go on a walk around Ojole, where there's so much happening there in terms of sensory overload, visual, smell, sound, it has this big bus station, which is really one of the most popular bus stations in uh, Lagos. Um, you know, it's like a major node from accessing different parts of the city. Uh, there's a lot of commerce going on there because if, you know, these bus stations also attract a lot of commerce because people know uh, the masses or the public uh, use these places. So a lot of buying and selling going on there, food, whatever you can think about. Um there's also a notorious uh, street there called Ailara, which is like a red light district. If you go on a walk there at night, of course you'll find uh, you find a lot going on there. There's uh, there's uh, uh, bars, there's uh, clubs. Um, it's just basically a sensory overload. This this spot that never sleeps 24 hours. You know, it's part of what the uh, comment uh, people. Uh, one of the voices was commenting: Jolaba never sleeps. You know, it's, it's Jolaba is accessible 24 hours. So this is kind of what you experience when you pass through there.
I'm going to go down a little a little rhythm niche now because I, I I sort of I picked up more maybe a little bit more sort of pulsating rhythm from the from the newer album than from the first album. Yeah. Uh, is that matching the energy of the of the area? Yes, I mean I I I, I, I mean it, it's it's about that energy. That position is about that energy. Did I get it right? You know, on my on my own side, you know, it worked for me listening yeah. to those new recordings, but you know, people could have different experiences about it. But yes, it's about uh, that energy that pulses from this place, you know. Yeah, well, I, I I certainly picked it up in City in the middle of England listening to it, so it's uh, it, it's, it definitely did its job. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah totally, but that's that's what it's about. Yeah, okay. I was going to say that your music features um, percussion quite heavily. There's yeah. constant sort of layering, building, and I, I could hear sort of two distinct sort of sounds. There's like a clavy bass timeline sort of grooves, and some more conventional maybe four to the floors break beats. It felt almost like it felt like a, a, a meeting of you know rhythms. Um, that's, that's that's what Lagos soundscape. You know, Lagos. I, I would always I would always describe Lagos soundscape as multi-layer. There's yeah. so much going on there. You know, like it's hard to like kind of dissect it as against if I record Berlin, you're just going to hear like traffic cars passing, maybe voice them once in a while, uh, the heavy ambulance or, or police siren and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. this is really how European cities sound like. Then the church bell. You know, like things are kind of, you know, but Lagos, it's like this layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of stuff going on. And that sort of, I, I try to translate that when make, you know, like into the music as much as possible. You know, do I know all these terminologies? No, not necessarily. I just know that I have to feel the setting beat. I have to hit this setting key or this setting. I, I don't know the names for these things per se, you know, but like I said, my music is completely um uh, uh, uh intuitive like i feel it's you know like it's it comes from inside and this is kind of a reflection of uh the recording as much as possible you know definitely do you think some of the the more sort of i mean not straight techno but more of a force of floor heavier i you know, kick drums might have be the influence of Berlin creepy in there a little bit as well. Yeah yeah Berlin Berlin definitely came in there the whole electronic flow I mean the whole electronic uh, composition is really about Berlin. You know what I mean? You know, like uh, if if I if I lived in another city, or if I was in another city, maybe I may not be making music, or maybe making it differently. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, there's the Berlin influence there too. So this is really a tale. You know, when you when you ask me about the influence of these two places, to me, it's really this music that I'm making now. You know, the field recording and the electronic music intersecting. You know, this is this is a tale of uh, my living in two places. Because you, know. you you live between both Lagos and Berlin. Um, yeah. What what are the contrasts you're feeling now in you know, in, in in this day between the two cities? And what sort of what's your relationship with both these cities? Is it the same as it was five ten years ago, or has that changed? Uh... I mean, this is kind of tricky because I think I've gotten into that uh, state of mind where um, uh, it's more like when I land in Lagos, a switch flips. Right. And you're on the Lagos mode. And when I land in Berlin, a switch flips and I'm on the Berlin mode, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely, um, I think this, this two, for me, these two places work. You know, they're yeah. quite inspiring, especially so now it's been translated into music. You know, mm-hmm. this is that summary. You know, it works for me in that sense where 
there's something from here and there's something from um, from there and there's an intersection and that intersection is always what I'm seeking. But in my day-to-day lives, it's almost where when you are here, you are here. When you are there, you are there. You know, like uh, in in many ways, your instincts could kick in in some in some situations. But that flip is always active. Like it's it will switch off one, so you can behave like a Berliner in Berlin, and then you behave like a Lagosian in Lagos. You know, then once in a while, a little bit of each could raise head up while you're in a different where you're where you're in that's what you know. So it's quite tricky. It's still, these are things um, I want to explore as an artist, maybe through film, maybe through music. I don't know yet. I really want, I mean, the the, the, intro, the, the, the entry point for me or the intro, introduction so far into this uh, state of mind is this music that I'm making now. You know, as an artist, I have the mind to make music videos to this. I wouldn't call them music videos. I, these are things I want to install them. Even the videos I'm gonna make or the films I'm gonna make to this music, I want to I want to install them. The music is kind of cinematic, you know. Mm-hmm. So how do I create an installation with these? This for me will be like a, it's it's more on my art side. It will be more like uh, the works I'm gonna make with this, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm still working on it. We've been shooting um both cities, but I'm I'm not there yet, you know. I think for now they could just be like teasers. These visuals could be like teasers, but I know I really want to make some kind of cinematic installations with this, you know. So maybe I can, I can answer your question then, or I, I would or it would come out there, you know. Yeah, certainly. So, so featuring both cities and the yeah, sort of- you know, like I feel it's it's also this battle where you feel do you do you show them side by side or do you combine them or not? It could it could also be one city entirely, yeah. you know. But then it's this. But how do you convey these things? You know, I'm still. You know, I'm 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 very busy in general. I think I need time off to really work on this. You know, mm. I was going to say with the travel, you know, it's the times where you just have to sort of switch off from from either head. You know, either either switch. Yeah, I mean that's what COVID uh, lockdown did for me. I realized a lot of travels were uh, not necessary, so right. I, I I only do the necessary trips. But even that, it's, it's quite a lot of them happening. You know. So, well, one thing I found um, it was in the in the vinyl. Um, there was a card that had the words "No condition is permanent." Uh, that sort of fell out when off the vinyl, which was part of the moment because at that moment I think we were in lockdown. Yeah, uh, and that, that, was, was, that, that was the neon I made. No condition is permanent. Like uh, it's it's actually the story of life. You know, yeah. like uh, I did an installation uh, last year, a public uh, uh, installation last year in Frankfurt. The title was "This Too Shall Pass." Right. You know, it's like the summary of life. It, and, you know, when people think that that oh, oh, it's kind of COVID-related, it's going to pass, but it's not just COVID-related. There will be good times, there will be bad times. This too shall pass, and that is no condition is permanent. These are like stickers you're going to find in these buses, and a lot of these people put it there to remind them of the hustle. You know, many of them came to Lagos. They probably started off as a bus conductor. Now they are the bus driver, like the boss of the bus. They're not the owner yet. Maybe tomorrow they become the owner of the bus. So it's a constant reminder that, you know, this situation could change, you know, either for the good or for the bad too. They could lose that bus completely and they go back to to, to start. It's a sort of constant reminder for everyday life, you know. Yeah. 
It's the hot last anthem, basically, or the hot last motto, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a phrase that stuck to me since uh, since since reading it. It's, um... oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I get inspired by those. A lot of my works also reflects on those uh, stickers, mm-hmm. even the title of my works and stuff like that, because this is like a, a street philosophy, or like a, it's it's like a philo- on life, you know. Yeah. And I always tell people, I would not go out. These are the people I'm going to ask questions, even if you want to set up a business. That hawker on the street knows more on the ground than the guy that will go to some university to just read the theory. You know, yeah. these guys on the street are, they live life. They know life. This is, you know, that's what, when I was making those interviews with these guys, this was kind of what I wanted to pull out from there, you know. Definitely. Yeah. That's, the, and it certainly comes across as well. Um, I, one thing is when you, when you're doing your art shows, you, you quite often do a DJ set. Understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would be some of your go-to tracks that you'd play in a DJ set? Oh man, it's uh, it changes a lot. There's so much coming out regularly. You know, like uh, it's Afro beats, and I'm on piano. You know, the 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 music from South Africa. Mm. This I play these a lot, and the way these guys churn out good music, you never have like a favorite for long. You know, mm. there's something popping in your head, then by tomorrow it changes. You know. So you know, these days, I mean, I haven't played it in a long time because it's also a lot of energy playing on like, like DJing and clubs and stuff like that. Not just, I, I would also DJ in clubs sometimes, but um, these days, uh, I think one, one thing I'll listen to a lot, like uh, I'm listening to Aria Stars, Rush, um, there's uh, Black Sharif, um, there's uh, Buga. I mean, there's so much stuff coming out. Bonaboy is churning out stuff nonstop. You know, and these are good music. It's not like uh, they are just making crap. So yeah, your favorite doesn't last too long. Like a favorite track doesn't last too long. A week or two, there's something out, and you're like, oh whoa, or maybe something that already existed that you never paid attention to, and then suddenly on your headphones it strikes a chord on your head, and you're like, okay. So yeah. I never really have like, oh, what one or two tracks? No, it's a lot of tracks, you know. Because because music is quite a you're you're very into music, so you're always are you always sort of digging for new sounds and. I'm, I'm digging out. I mean, uh, that's one thing I, I really like Spotify's algorithm. Um, it's you know like uh, the suggestions work for me a lot. I mean, not all the time. It works for me a lot, and I and I also know music is by my mood. You know, there are certain moods you are. You pay more attention to certain uh, a certain song mm-hmm. that works at that moment, and then you're like, okay, this song is actually a year old. You know, you've heard it a couple of times, but you certainly didn't pay much attention to it. You probably mixed it or not, but, you know, like, uh, then suddenly it hits you, you know, whoa, okay, it makes more sense, you know. So it also depends on your mood, you know. I've, I've got a couple more questions, and then I, I'll, I'll let you recover from your jet lag. So, <laughs> your, your show openings are, are accompanied by, by drinking beer. Unlike most, you brew the beer as well. So, yeah, I mean, I design, uh, you know, yes, I mean, I, I work with brew, I design the beer, I, I collaborate with breweries to make, it's a conceptual beer, let's put it like that, you know, it's not just like, oh, let's make beer, it starts with some data analysis of a research, and uh, designing the recipe or the taste profile, mm-hmm. and talking to a brewmeister, um, I also brew, but these brewmeisters, this is their day-to-day jobs they do this they've been doing this for 10 years they will do it faster than myself you know mm. they'll come up with that so yes um yeah i designed you can call me a beer artist 
how did that come about? Was it just a that is also that is also living in Germany, being in Berlin, you know. I think yeah, Berlin in many ways um impacted on my creativity art career. I got into Berlin, I was in I got into Berlin when the crab beer industry kind of like took off, you know. And um I think I was really bored uh with the art world, you know, like I realized my circle was just uh artists curators, interns, collectors, stuff like that. I'm like, okay, what else is there to do here? I like beer. And then I discovered the craft beer industry. Uh, I started hanging around, trying out craft beer. You actually find me in a beer tasting events or like a, a crab, uh, you know, like craft beer festivals or whatever exhibitions than the art exhibitions. That's probably where, you know, like I spent more time there and I got into home brewing, you know, and I'm, when I started, um, I, I I just needed to realize, okay, I'm also an artist. You know, I'm, I can't just spend all my time doing this. But for me, it was important to, could I figure out that there could be an intersection between these two? You know, how do I work with this? And uh, a lot of my work has to do with migration and stuff. And um, I started seeing certain connections, even on the theme of race and things like that. And, you know, I started conceptualizing the whole idea and um yeah that's we're here now i still uh we just had a uh there was a beer uh designed for um uh uh an artist bishop in houston that was inspired by the nigerian community so yes i bring in um i bring in beer into my into my um practice but it's not just i'm not an alcoholic i like beer but uh, <laughs> i just found a way to play around with that but it's what is interesting for me also is as an artist, um, it's not just brewing the beer. When you make a product, there's a whole thing around trying to advertise that product. You know, it could be like a billboards, photography. It could be like a beer commercial on TV, but then it's video art. So I started playing play with these elements as an artist. And then we can actually have an entire, entire setup around one beer that has billboards sometimes in the public spaces or in the mm -hmm. exhibition space. And there's a short video art that looks like a beer jingle or like looks like a beer commercial on TV. But then it has all these layers that I'm trying, I'm talking about in my heart. Fantastic. And, and you play the sounds of Lagos to the beer while it's fermented? Well, I did one. I did, a, that was a, a, The Choir Storm. For the Moonstar Sculpture Project in 2017, uh, uh, the beer was fermented to the sound of Lagos. Yeah, fantastic. And it's quite quite strong. Moonstar is completely, you know, completely opposite of Lagos, like super quiet. And then, how do I bring in Lagos into this place? Let's do it through beer. So the beer is inspired by the city of Moonstar and Lagos. The flavors were the notes of of Moonstar, the lime tree. You know, the honeys using honey uh, from uh, uh, you know the bees sort of uh, uh, make honey from the lime trees too. So having that taste profile, then injecting it with Lagos. The, the yeasts were not quiet throughout the fermentation process. They were vibrating to the sound of Lagos. Fantastic, brilliant. Cool. Uh, one one final question. So what, what's your future plans? What are your next projects? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, it's always, um, I mean, I, I have projects lined up, but I, I, I always try to, I, I started doing a lot of work with uh, the All Factory, you know, like uh, for me, it's, I, I really like the idea that art should be an experience and that is, uh, that brings in the possible all the human senses without it being typically the visual. 
So I've worked with taste, I've worked with sound, I've worked with sights, I've uh, worked with touch. In recent times, I started working with the olfactory. I'm interested in how smell transports also, how smell kind of gives up these bodily experiences. So um, I'm doing, I'm doing quite a lot of research and work, uh, creating a sense of smells that connect us to places. Yeah. My thanks to Emika for taking part in the conversation. There are links to both his albums in the show notes. Next time on Place and Time. We were listening to each other. We were we were paying attention to each other, mostly us to the United States and the opposite. But uh, again, there was already information, DNA information going on between both. And also, I guess, a human need to go back and connect with basic patterns and rhythms that we all need. I speak to Batida, a producer, a DJ and a filmmaker from Lisbon and Portugal. We talk about the making of his latest album, Neon Kodianishmo, and his experience of growing up in Angola and making music in Lisbon. That's next time. Until then, thanks for listening.